Welcome to an emergency news flash episode of the Arena Craft podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. My name is Arjuna. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined today by Covert Go Blue. How are you doing today, Covert Go Blue? I was going to say things along the lines of it's Monday. I'm tired. I got work to do. I'm sad. My favorite foods are not in the refrigerator. But then something happened. Something insane happened and pretty much the moment i touched the internet i noticed there were way more ats mentions dms and just everything than i have ever seen before in my life and i thought that like magic itself had exploded turns out it was just the standard pioneer historic brawl meta we know all of it basically turned upside down yeah i mean how are you I, basically, I discovered that both Christmas and my birthday had relocated to the date of August 3rd. Um, it was it was a surprise, but, you know, we roll with it. So, yeah, basically, it's funny. I think I remember seeing, like, JRR2 yesterday posted a tweet, something to the effect of looking forward to those sweet bands you're going to post tomorrow, Wizards. And I think that he was, like... You know, half joking, half like maybe they will actually ban Wilderness Rack finally and, and, you know, at least some semblance of Audible return to standard. I don't think anyone could have predicted that we we're going to have a banned and restricted announcement quite as deep and quite as sweet as this one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, you know, what's all right. I, I don't want to dunk on Wizards. I really don't because they've they've done the right thing here. Um but all I'm going to say is, doesn't it just feel nice to like actually have the game look like 90% of the player base want it to look? I mean, it's just like, it feels really good. We and, will see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's true that we're definitely going to need to get into the formats and see how they feel and see what the adjustments actually do. And who knows, you know, maybe when all is said and done, Wizards will emerge as being the wise and sage uh, people. And uh, they'll say, I told you so. But I think, anyway, certainly, in the very least, a ton of people are super excited to be playing Magic again right now. And I'm, I just think that that's a great place to start. It's a wonderful place. It, it's a wonderful place to be and a wonderful place to start. It was... I I just recorded a reaction stream, or I just streamed a reaction stream. So I was live not that long ago. I was live for about four hours. It was like the second I saw this, I was like, do I tweet? Do I make a video? What do I do? It's like, you just got to go live. People want to talk <laughs> about this. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. So at, at one point, we had 1,100 people hanging out. Nice. Um, just giving their takes on things. It was really fun. I got to read the whole thing to them in my sarcastic voice. But this is this is the real deal. August, people forget this all the time. Like, when's the last time an August meta was good? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Like, like uh, I, I actually 
plan for August to be a terrible month of Magic the Gathering. I planned for it last year. I recorded, I pre-recorded two weeks of content in July because I knew I wouldn't want to make content in August. Like, <laughs> nice. That's, that's that's how I keep so, that's how I keep the streak going. That's how I yeah. stay going as a content creator. I actually plan for the times when I'm not going to have fun playing Magic. It seems like a lot of people go from excitement about Magic to I'm not having fun playing Magic. I predict that. I know it's coming. And this flipped the script. Like instead of a dead format for the next two months waiting for rotation, we have a new format. We have a freaking birthday present. And I think a lot of people are going to be saying, we could have been playing this the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, it's super exciting. I can already tell that everybody is going to take this opportunity to say, is my insert not even tier three deck playable again? <laughs> so, <laughs> Which to me, I'm always like, it never was, but okay. <laughs> but we, we at least want the chance to like, maybe see if it was, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's you, like, yeah, hope. We, we don't want to dismiss something. Like we don't want to have things just like banned before they've even been tried. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I, I think that that's kind of what, has effectively happened here. It's not so much that a handful of cards have been banned in standard and historic. It's more like 30% of interesting cards just got unbanned, essentially, um, or, or rather just went from being basically unplayable tier two cards back into this question of, hmm, maybe some of these other cards could be tier one. Some of these other archetypes could be tier one. I mean, heck... Even if we see some kind of like older archetypes come back to the front, like, you know, just as one example, like some of these flash decks, even even if we see a return to some familiar stuff being tier one, it's it's something different, right? It's just something else to play in your format before rotation. And, and in the very least, we get to see how those old archetypes are going to match up against some of the newer cards. So I think that that's... Super exciting. Why don't we just read off the bands uh, first of all and to get everyone familiarized and then, I don't know, we can maybe take it, take it by format. So for, for the small handful of people who may not have heard about this or may not have read it, um, here's what we've got. Today on August 3rd, effective immediately, by the way, props to Wizards for that, um, they have banned in the standard format Wilderness Reclamation. Hallelujah. 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 Growth Spiral is also banned. Teferi Time Raveler is banned. Wow. Mm. And. Mm. Because they listen to you, CGB. Because they really <laughs> like you. <laughs> they really like you today, CGB. They even oh, banned ooh. Cauldron Familiar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. That that one, I think, is definitely the most controversial ban on the list, just in terms of, you know, the player base and in terms of how powerful is it really? Blah, 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 blah. Um, so, okay. So, so we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, they also actually, we, we don't cover this on the show, but it is just quickly, I'm going to note that in Pioneer, Pioneer also saw, um, a number of problem cards get banned and people were kind of crapping on Wizards of the Coast 
for their basically non-ban announcement a little while ago as it regarded Pioneer. So they got rid of Inverter of Truth, Kethis the Hidden Hand, Walking Ballista, and Underworld Breach. Um, so that's definitely going to shake up that format and make a lot of people happy. And it's kind of like the standard bans. This is like the ban that uh, everyone knew Pioneer needed that hadn't happened yet. So, and then in Historic, we have Wilderness Reclamation suspended, which is nice. We were full of bile about this card um, on the other podcast that we just recorded. And Teferi Time Raveler, again, is suspended. So we're, we're kind of like seeing a familiar pattern here where like problem cards get banned in Standard and then they also get banned in Historic. And it's basically just for the reasons we were talking about, which is that a lot of the best stuff to be doing in Historic is also the best stuff to be doing in Standard right now because the recent sets are just super powerful. So shouldn't be surprising to see that mirrored, but it is nice. It, it just like it is nice to see that that's happening as well. Finally, in Brawl, Teferi Time Raveler is also banned. So they essentially just unprinted Teferi Time Raveler from three formats in one day. From MTG Arena. Basically, the <laughs> from MTG Arena, gone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They just removed... I mean, we, we traveled back in time, you know? We traveled back in time about a year, and uh, here we are. <laughs> All right, CGB, so let's get into standard here. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to talk about. Where do you want to pick it up? Let's go card by card and say if this needed to be banned, when it should be banned, and is it the right ban? Excellent. So I'll, I'll kick it off. Growth Wilderness Reclamation is banned. Um, did it need to be banned? I think that this is a universal yes. The card has taken over the format. It's enabling of just tons of mana and play patterns that feel really repetitive. They're complicated to play, and they're very difficult to play, and it's very skill-rewarding. But the pro meta is... Like, the pros are done with standard for a while. Yeah. That's the truth. Like, the last Players Tour was the last stand of standard for a while. It's going to be historic for a little bit until the Zendikar Rising Championship, which I think is, like, in October, November. I don't know. But anyway, the big the, the pros are off standard for a bit. And I think that's honestly the only reason. I think it really... I, I feel like they just held on for the pro meta because it is very skill-intensive. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew it was busted. But it is very hard, and I think they thought that would carry things in the pro, in the pro circuit. I don't know, but the pros hated it too. Uh, so this was banned. It's right. It had to go for this format to be interesting, and for many formats to be interesting. Historic as well. You know, Wilderness Reclamation is starting to make waves in modern as yeah. people are starting to play it more. But yeah. just if you're going to get rid of fires, because it basically is a mana fixer that allows for busted stuff wilderness reclamation is on the same tier and people have been saying this since the card was spoiled so uh yeah it's got to go but is it the right time like what do you think of the timing on this i kind of said my bit i mean i think the right time to ban this was when they banned fires of invention to be honest um And, and again, it was mostly like we said on on one of our previous shows, just because anyone could have foreseen that Reclamation was next in line for being the strongest deck. And so, 
I don't know. I just like, I think it's a little bit disingenuous for wizards to say, well, I, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Let you know, like yeah. this deck hasn't been fully tier one ever before in standard, but it, you know, it was just kind of like anyone who was paying attention to the format was like, no, this deck is already like right on the edge of being the best deck in the format. And the only reason it's not is because these other cards that just got banned are on top. So yeah i don't know i i think that they i think that they kind of missed on that one i mean to be honest it you know like many people have said you just shouldn't be printing cards like this is really what it comes down to like it shouldn't have existed in the first place but given that it did exist yeah they they should have banned it back then yeah rip wilderness reclamation you will (laughs) not be missed nope this so um when and looking at the deck kind of the team wreck deck of its name it's very much like that can't exist this 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 card was propping it up yeah 100 percent. that deck oh, yeah. is gone yeah All yeah right. expansion explosion was basically just unprinted from standard the next one growth spiral is an interesting one because it fits in so many decks uh it goes across several decks and it looks like a fairly innocent ish card until you've played it a lot and until people have figured out that it just makes you play like 30 lands so is gross spiral the right ban and is this the right time for it what do you think okay so here's my thought about growth spiral i think anyone anyone with a history in magic looked at growth spiral and and when it was first revealed and said wow that's a good card you know like i think that it was easy to see that the card had a lot of potential and it was easy to see that the card was one of the better ramp spells that's been printed in recent memory however this card was not showing up in top decks for a long time in standard and i think ultimately all things considered the power level was fine it was good but fine and i think one of the things that really pushed it over the edge was just that simic got so much other cool stuff as well so like oro showing up i think just really pushed growth spiral over the edge um just continuing to have like an excellent suite of ramp payoffs in simic and colorless colors so that it was just really easy to find good things to do with all of that mana um, and then even just cards like Joel Rail being printed took Growth Spiral from being like good, excellent in its archetype to just just being like a little bit too powerful. So I think ultimately Growth Spiral is dying for the sins of other cards and for the sins of just kind of play design and the direction it's been going. It reminds me a little bit of the... Um, I, why can I never remember the name of this card? It was the energy card that fetched a land that gave you energy. Attune with Aether. Yeah, so it reminds me of the Attune with Aether ban. It's like that card was not busted. It's just that the whole apparatus around it was strong enough and the direction that that standard ended up going was strong enough that it was just a better idea to get rid of it. So that's that's kind of what it reminds me of there. I think that the card should go anyway, um, regardless of the other things. If if green and blue were suddenly weak colors, should this card still be around? Um, I don't think so. And I think that the reason aggro has such a hard time right now 
is because in the past, if you played a combination of band colors, whether it's green, blue, or green, white, or anything like that, you always had to balance that your early game wouldn't be very good. You could overwhelm your opponents in the mid-game and the late game, but your early game against aggro is not good. You don't have cheap universal removal most of the time in this color set, so you will get run over by an aggro deck. And Gross Spiral created a way for you to skip the early game entirely. You are just (laughs) in the mid-game, and it's free. It doesn't even cost you a card. And I've already seen a ton of people... Uh, saying that what they're going to do is take the Growth Spiral out of their deck and add Paradise to it. Or they're going to add Wolf Willow Haven. And it's like, if if that's your first response, then I think you're missing what made Growth Spiral so good. The I, point is I it totally never, agree. Yeah. Yep, it never cost you a card. Yep. It was just a free skip to the mid game where you're where you're favored anyway, and you're still you it didn't cost you anything to get there except for turn two, which was going to suck anyway. Because yep. that's the colors that you played. So, uh, yeah, some people are going to throw in Paradise Druid, Wolf Willow Haven, but it always makes me laugh when people think that that is basically saying the deck, whatever deck they were playing, whether Bant, Sultai, whatever ramp deck they were playing, didn't. it just needed a ramp spell. Mm-hmm. No. No, it's got a lot of ramp spells. Mm-hmm. This, this, was just, this was just skip. skip a tr- it was time walk in a way. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, your opponent got to do something, but honestly, you took two turns. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's uh, you're totally right. I think it highlights the fact that like we wouldn't see bant control in this format. Like, like okay, so this format's been really interesting because we've seen like ramp control be a, an archetype, right? And, like, in the history of magic, ramp control is... I mean, okay, I'm not, like, a magic historian here, but ramp control just hasn't really been a thing, right? And the reason why we're seeing it here is, just like you said, because it's free. It's because, you know, you have Growth Spiral, you have Oro, these cards draw cards. Oro gains you life. Growth Spiral is an instant. They just, like, all of this stuff fits perfectly into the control game plan. Um, and control wants to go long control wants to hit its land drops one of the ways that control wins is by having a lot of mana on the board casting powerful spells spending half of its mana drawing cards and half of its mana killing things so um, the existence of cards like this is what makes these like kind of mid to long game control decks with these big finishes possible and I, I, I like i just want to finish up by saying like you're not like bant is not going to start running cultivate you know what i mean like like you just you're not going to see cards like this in the archetype i mean not unless there's some very specific game plan they're trying to enact but in general like they just don't want cards like that because it, it doesn't fit the mandate go ahead yeah i was gonna say that the, the the big question for this one is is it the right ban i think it should be banned but it is interesting that you have a growth spiral banning, and you have, for only one mana more, a growth spiral that comes with three life and a 6-6 six, six later in the game <laughs> called Uro. Yeah. I mean, that is the card which a lot of people are saying is missing from these bands. Um, to be honest, my read on that is just that Uro uh, is kind of like Oko... 
you know, it, Oro is like 80% of Oko. And just like Oko, they're not willing to just unprint it from the game yet. Now, it, it could be that, you know, we're going to see it banned in modern and then we're going to see it, ba- you know, etc. So we could just have the same kind of chain of bans go down when everyone realizes, yeah, this card's just a mistake and it shouldn't have been printed. But I think that they're still in the denial phase about Oro at the moment. That's my read. My read is that actually... Um, the banning of growth spiral weakens Uro a significant amount mm. because we've talked a lot with this about how free it is that you just run like like I have two videos this week where I play thirty lands in my decks yeah because I want to grow spiral and Uro and have it count and because you get the free card draw you're much less likely to flood or just find that one or two key cards that makes flooding fine right mm. now. That redundancy is diminished. You had four spirals and four euros. You had a lot of payoff for drawing five to to six to seven lands in your first ten cards. Now, if you draw five to six to seven lands in your first ten cards, but you don't draw your euro, that's not very good. No. Like, you could definitely get beaten down for that. Like, definitely. And I think that's a big deal that uh, people who might that people might not realize right away that uh, the payoff for having 28 to 30 lands, the, it, Uro is still good when you get that free growth spiral effect. It's pretty much broken when you get the free growth spiral effect. But now you're paying a cost for it, which is when you don't draw Uro, you're in trouble. Other times you were definitely going to draw a spiral or an Uro. It was just going to happen. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, Another important point here as well is just that that I think that you are getting at in an indirect way is that you can't start ramping on turn three. Like a a deck that wants to ramp is just like it's not that's not when you want the party to get started. It's Mm. it's still possible that you could see Oro in like particular decks. Like let's say that you have like some kind of Saltai control deck, which does want to gain life, does want to keep drawing cards, does, you know, want to kind of get into their mid to end game where they do have a lot of lands. It's possible you'll still see it in decks like this. But um, but I totally agree that it's weakened. And, and as a whole, like the structure around it is weakened a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think Uro is still going to be in a ton of decks, but I think those decks actually have to think about an early game, yeah. which they never even had to bother with in yep. the past yeah yeah and and you know it's so along with the next ban that we're going to talk about as well it's part of the reason why a lot of people are saying that spot removal is more likely to be playable now that that's its own discussion yeah yeah so what so let's let's get into this next one to fairy time raveler being banned i mean <laughs> Uh, we could certainly talk about this one, but I'm kind of wondering if there's anything we can say about it that hasn't already been said. What do you think about that? It's unnerving that it took this long. <laughs> I agree with that. You Like somebody said, they sell packs. Dude, where are the spark packs? <laughs> we have been playing magic that isn't magic because of Teferi for over a year. <laughs> I, I think I think the first couple days of playing with this card, people said it needed to be banned. Um, I there is a sentence. I'm going to read a sentence if I can find it really quickly here. 
We've often, this is from the ban announcement. This is written by Ian Duke of Wizards of the Coast. We've often heard the feedback that the repetitive play patterns and reduced capability for interaction that Teferi Time Raveler can create feel oppressive and limiting. Yeah. This is like a no. (laughs) This is a known quantity, guys. This, This isn't new. This, uh, this is like somebody from the mailroom just showed up and said, oh, I'd just been stockpiling all these. Did I, you actually want these? This is the bundled hate mail for Teferi Time Raveler. Do you <laughs> think you might do something about it now when literally nobody wants to play the format anymore? I, oh, it, it, ah! yeah. I, I love Teferi. Like, I, I said eulogy to Teferi. I think everybody wants to know. Like, if I'm sad about Teferi, because I put him in all my decks. I put him in my decks, not because he's fun and interactive. I put him in my decks because it was stupid not to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You, it's like, if you were playing the colors blue and white in your deck, you had to make an argument every time you didn't include Teferi in your deck. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, a card that is that prohibitive, that just kind of nukes so many cards from even mattering. I I don't I it's hard for me to think of a card that has just completely nuked cards out of existence like Teferi does. Yeah. All counter spells were close to unplayable, you know? It's like yeah. everybody's like on negate and mystical dispute because otherwise it just doesn't get under Teferi. Right. Um every artifact, enchantment or creature that cost 2 mana cuz sometimes you're on the draw or more and didn't have an immediate enters the battlefield ability that was supremely relevant was completely useless if the opponent had to ferry. I, yeah. I that's insane. That is yeah. actually insane. You can look at some stupid cards from the past like Blood Moon and weird things like that, but in the modern era, I don't think any card has just invalidated or restricted deck building like Teferi. And it had like it's so weird to do it now, but it, they did. It's good. It happened. Why not six months ago? Yeah. We could have had so much fun. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's a time traveling issue, CGB. That's really what it yeah, came down yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> you know, but it, it's true. It's like when I think about, okay, so Teferi's been such a watchdog in so many formats. And the problem with Teferi is that unlike some other watchdogs, there's basically no downside for playing it. It's it's like the same problem with Growth Spiral or Aura, right? It's like you just can't actually find the downside to playing the card, which is the problem. So, for example, let's talk about another card which watchdogs a lot of formats, which is Force of Will, right? Force of Will, it's an incredibly strong card. They're probably not going to print it into standard anytime soon, you know, but... It's it's a two for one. Like if you want to play that card in your deck, you have to be prepared to throw away two cards, right? And it's right. a severe cost. So it's like, okay, you still run it because it's still good, right? But that's one of the it's one of the things that keeps a card like that in check, right? Now let's right. say let's say that Force of Will says draw a card on it, right? <laughs> so so you have to pitch. Don't give two. them ideas. I don't like where this <laughs> is going. Stop giving them ideas. <laughs> so, so Teferi Time Raveler for me is a little bit like if Force of Will had draw a card printed on it. And yeah. it's, it's not a fully yeah. analogous comparison, but that's pretty much the reason why Teferi sucks. Like, and this is another, this is another thing that I, like, I heard so much in my chat today is like, well, now people will play Baron. Now people bring back Brazen Borrower. It's like, 
The bounce wasn't what you no. played Teferi for. No. No. Yeah, I mean, it was good. Like, it was definitely... It was definitely part of what was keeping Teferi in the game. But you're totally right. It's like... The, it, it's like pretty much every part of Teferi was worth it, right? It's like you could mm-hmm. remove any key line of text on Teferi and it still would have been a pretty good card. So the fact that it had, you know... Basically, like, like, Teferi has three relevant things going on, right? The bounce effect is relevant. The card draw is relevant. I, I guess four, in a way. The, the, uh, your opponent's not being able to play at instant speed is relevant, and your ability to play sorcery spells at instant speed is also relevant. And so it's like, you could have easily taken away any one of those aspects of the card, and it probably would have still been very playable. Having all of them on the same card is just mind-boggling so and then that combined with the high loyalty and it being a three mana planeswalker is just like get out of here basically i think what's telling here i don't think that banning teferi time raveler ruins blue white control no no or any of the other like like it, it obviously it makes those decks weaker but I think there's almost a relief to get to try something else with our three spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not kidding. It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Like, like, like we can play counter spells now and not get brutally punished by our opponent for it. You know? Um, yeah. Narset is still here if you want a Planeswalker. Um, so I, it, it's kind of amazing to be a blue-white mage without Teferi and think, this could be fun. <laughs> that, that's how good the card is. Yeah. That's how good the card is. <laughs> it's yeah. That's stupid. It's, it's just a relief to not have to play a card. I think that's it, you know? It's like, I just want to be in a format where I don't feel <laughs> obligated to play a card. Yeah. And and yeah. that's the problem is that, like, Standard's been that way for a while. It's like, if you're playing the Simic Colors, you're obligated to play 4x Growth Spiral and at least 3x Oro, right and that's like mm-hmm. it's just you're you're just a fool for leaving without those cards what what are you doing like what are you even doing if you're not playing those cards and that that is just a problem like you can't magic can't be like that basically um it just it bothers me and and i think it's 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 different than you know someone might say okay well you're always going to run scavenging ooze and you're 75 in green right that's different because um, those are cards that you bring in to target specific matchups and they're cards that are put into the format specifically to police certain strategies and to basically make it so that you're like, okay, we can play these strategies in the format and the only thing that allows that to still be fun and cool is that we have cards like Scavenging Ooze. So don't, like, don't get those two mistaken. There are some cards which are very important to have in the format, which you will always run in your sideboard because they're specifically designed to keep magic fun, right? To keep magic fair, to keep things balanced. It's different than having cards that are like automatically a 4X of in your main deck or that you automatically have to run because they're just the best cards. So I want to I make that distinction very clear. It's a good point. I hope uh, I hope we all followed that. But yes, just because a card is popular doesn't mean it doesn't have an important role. And then there are some cards that you just have to play because they're so stupidly good that <laughs> you're a moron not to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about the the final standard ban here. How familiar? 
the cauldron familia the the uh, everyone's favorite roasted cat um so there's a lot of people who have been saying that this was the card on the list that didn't necessarily need to go a lot of people raising the eyebrows because cauldron familia is just clearly in a different tier as far as power level is concerned like you can't look at cauldron familia and look at teferi or wilderness reclamation and think that they have analogous power level so um why why is it cgb that you and a lot of other people have been advocating for this card to get banned the lowbrow no big brain zero iq reason is it's annoying (laughs) yeah (laughs) So I want to address that because I I actually never thought this would come up in a ban announcement from from Wizards of the Coast. But it literally says in the ban announcement, this again by Ian Duke, quote, Further, the number of triggers generated by these decks can be cumbersome for both players in digital play. Yeah. That, unquote. Um, Yes. What? (laughs) What? You're, You're banning cards for creating triggers now? What? What? Oh my goodness! We got new ban criteria, boys and girls. But, but I mean that it's they true. Aren't wrong, right? Is yeah, the thing. they are not not even close to wrong. And yeah. digital play has become magic because of yeah. COVID. And that was my point to chat. It's like there were people who were really upset with this ban. And it's like, how many minutes of your life <laughs> and your opponents? How many minutes of all of our lives has been stolen by Cauldron Familiar Witch's Oven? Yeah, and I, I. I play it out. I play a lot of ranked, you know? I've got to try to win the game. But if I'm in free play, and my opponent plays a cat, the second they put an oven on the stack that I'm not about to destroy, I just scoop. Yeah, I dude. can't be the only one. Like, yeah. like that, and I, I'm just not going to sit there and play that game in free play for no, no rewards other than the dailies. I can't be the only one. I'm sure they have data on this, right? Yeah. Um, but that's... That's the lowbrow reason, right? It's annoying. That shouldn't technically cause bans. Maybe in the modern world it should. I don't, I'm not going to argue that. But let's talk about what you said on power level, because I do think there's an argument to be made. The very first time I got the experience of cat and oven on the battlefield at the same time and realized that my opponent could block a creature, regardless of its size, put the cat in the oven, and then get the cat back. And I realize now it didn't matter if I had an impervious freaking great worm. My opponent was winning, not me. Mm -hmm. All right? So every creature that doesn't have trample or flying is just invalidated by this freaking cat. And the life gain from the cat means that it's hard to race it the other way. Not only do you need another threat that the cat isn't blocking... It needs to be doing enough damage to race the drain one that they get for free every single turn. Yeah. And that is not just annoying, that is prohibitive. That it does make any deck built around creatures worse, significantly worse. And I think that that is part of what's at play here. We talked about Teferi, how many cards it invalidated with its minus three ability. And I would argue that Cat Oven invalidates a tremendous amount of creatures. Mm -hmm. And I would also suggest, based on the banning of Fires and now the banning of Cauldron Familiar, I don't know, this might be controversial to some. I have this weird feeling that 
future R&D was forced to stop drafting and play some dang constructed of fu- in future formats and were like, wow, this actually is no fun whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that Cat had a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, if that's ban-worthy, if that's the thing, good. Because there is another sentence. I, I was trying to figure out where to read it in here, but I did want to get it out there. It, it is actually while they are talking about Pioneer. Once again, Ian Duke from the ban announcement, quote, Ultimately, how much fun players are having with the environment is the most important driving force behind BNR updates. Mm. That's... Yes. I don't feel like that's always been true. No. And I, it makes me feel a little squishy to hear that. <laughs> and I hope that they stick with it. And I think that there's a lot of players who like Cat Oven, but mostly because they're the ones Cat Ovening. Anybody <laughs> who's played against it, I guarantee you, would tell you this sucks. This yeah. absolutely sucks. And uh, yeah, I'm really happy it's gone. What do you think? Yeah, I I think it needed to go and it, it's it's like the sensei's divining top argument, right? It's like it's not necessarily that this thing was like the most powerful, the most broken, the biggest problem. But we just like we want to be able to get through games of magic, you know, and we want to be able to do it before we where either player is actually dead in the real world. So, yeah, I I think like just the time <laughs> It's morbid, dude. Time <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it's like when you see those memes of like like that skeleton sitting on the on the park bench or whatever. It's like that's how I felt playing against some of these game these decks. And one of the things that supremely bothered me about playing these cat oven decks is like they had to keep playing the game even after they had lost because they were never ever 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 dead until they were actually dead right it's like oh my god yeah it's just it's so tilting to look at your board to look at your opponent's board and to be like i've got this game locked up but if they go like another oven into a top deck mayhem devil they might still kill me you know and it was just so annoying to to have to just play all of these games to the death you know and And like dude dude I, I'm telling you right now, I was already looking into the rotation version of Jund Cat. Yeah. It loses Mayhem Devil, right? And yeah. that's what everybody's like, oh, it's going to lose Mayhem Devil. This will be fine. This is not fine. <laughs> no. Because you know what happens when you lose Mayhem Devil? You lose the thing that ended the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So <laughs> the new Jund... Out. Yeah, I was like playing with it, and it's like you sub in a lot of Murderous Riders, and you sub in Massacre Girl, and now you just don't even try to win the game. You yeah. just grind until you've put your whole freaking deck in your hand, and your core vault is a twenty twenty, and then you attack. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it was taking lo- it was taking forever to play that deck, and I guarantee if anybody like actually worked on that, they were like, "This is not good." <laughs> yeah, and I just think that it's 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 annoying that. Like, okay, you so you can answer Cauldron Familiar. Like, you can do a number of things. You can play Scavenging Ooze. You can play Graft Digger's Cage. You can, you can do a number of things, right? You can even play something like uh, Cry of the Carnarium. But the problem is that having to substantially warp your main deck or your sideboard strategy around just, like, one 
dumb little one drop cat it's just, it's a tilt it's just annoying you know and, mm-hmm. and it's especially since so okay so if you bring in cage against a graveyard deck like your graveyard decks of old it's kind of like okay the whole deck is a graveyard deck and so it kind of makes sense that i have to sideboard against it right is this deck like are these sack decks even necessarily graveyard decks no not necessarily they're sacrifice decks right it's like if they can't get their woe strider back from the graveyard they can still win if you bring in the cage against the cat they can still win it's not the central theme of their deck so having having to bring in sideboard cards against the deck that aren't even necessarily that good uh is is a problem so i think that that's one of the reasons why cards like cauldron familiar are so bad for the game is that like your deck can just truck along just fine without Mm -hmm. having access to the familiar and i I think that that's that's just part of why it's been so warping um but yeah i mean i I, like just the the whole constellation right the time the fun the play patterns it, it all adds up to being yeah i think that this card should be banned i'm really glad they did it and frankly I'm just super glad I'm not going to have to put up with it for the next year. Like that, they Hell mentioned yeah. that in the article, and I think that that's fifty percent of it. They were just like, "We just people are already tired of this card." So, yeah. So, Rip kitty, <laughs> you are a good kitty. No, <laughs> bad kitty. You know, plenty of people are going to be shedding a tear today over the over the familiar. So, all right, so let's talk about what does this allow us? Like, what do we think standard's going to look like moving forward? So the first thing I always want to look at is what are the cards that are borderline or completely busted that were already succeeding, mm. and uh, where do they fit? Mm-hmm. And I came up with four of them, and the first is Nissa. Nissa, of course. The shaker of the world. She's the second. She's she's the Gideon ally of Zendikar, by the way, of this standard. Yeah. She's just dodges every ban somehow. Yep. The second is Uro, who we touched on a little bit. Yep. Probably one, still one of the more overall stat-wise busted cards available. And those two can kind of hang out together, as I'm sure we're going to get to. Because what's what's better than Anissa? Ramp into Anissa. Yeah. Um. The third is Embercleave. Just the ultimate get them dead play. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious if that card is significantly better or worse, and uh, maybe we'll get into that. And the fourth is probably a good starting point. Your favorite, Winota. Winota. <laughs> yeah, that's where I was looking, man. And so Michael Jacob actually tweeted about this uh, when when he saw this announcement. He was like, hmm, Winota seems to be conspicuously absent from this ban list. And that's definitely one of the places I'm going to start. Like, because the, the Madu Winota deck didn't lose anything from these bannings. And uh, deck's strong. Deck just top-hated. It's, uh, it's got a lot of play. And I could definitely see decks like that putting up solid results. I just bumped my microphone cable. Do I still sound okay? Yeah. Yeah, you sound good. Okay. Apparently, it messed something up on stream earlier. (laughs) Now, one of the things that people have been saying in rebuttal to that is that um, just due to Reclamation being gone and due to Teferi being gone, 
people are saying that spot removal is likely to become a little bit more relevant. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Winota decks might take a hit as a result of that. One thing I just want to say, though, is that this particular Winota deck doesn't necessarily care that much if Winota gets sniped. Um, it still does just fine without her. And I think that the combination of... Okay, so if you're playing Loxodon and Winota in the same deck, uh, as well as Basri's Lieutenant... Like, there's a reasonable possibility that you might actually end up with a Winota with a counter on it. And that, you know, that would invalidate things like uh, Heartless Act, for example. And you also might end up in a situation where Winota dies, but you still get a knight, something like that. And so, yeah, I, I... This is also... Okay, so when Winota was making waves in Historic, you had all these people saying the same thing. It was like... You know, just play removal. It's easy. Just, you know, just get rid of Winota. What's the big deal? Oh, yeah. Some people said uh, sweep, like, dies to one sweeper in the chat today, <laughs> which I had to tell them about the game you saw that we talked about on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, people saying that, I'm like, how many matches have you played against a good Winota deck? So, yeah, it's it's not that simple, people, is what it comes down to. And I don't know. I, it's kind of like saying just counter wilderness reclamation. What's your problem, right? Yep. Well, it just is. play. It's you just know, like to fairy is not a problem. Just play questing beast. What's the big deal? You know, it's like mm, how how much have you really considered <laughs> that line of reasoning? Do we need to have the spot removal talk? I you know I think now is a good time. Okay, because it's going to have a huge impact on the future of Standard, because we've been in this world for a while where spot removal is bad, because every single card trades with another card trades with another card, and spot removal is basically like going down one card, because if you kill their Hydroid Crisis or their Uro, they already got value. Yeah. Uh, And that was primarily that argument also like against wilderness reclamation like what are you doing with spot removal in your deck you're going to kill their shark token they got a card out of that too you know yeah so with these bannings is it actually all right to play cards like heartless act in your deck right now and we talk about the four cards i mentioned two of them embercleave and winota certainly seem to be just make your ears ring right Mm. you should play some spot removal. Like, that would be good. And then the other two cards, Nissa and Uro, very much seem to at least speak to me saying, not so fast. No. <laughs> because no. spot removal isn't going to be particularly great against either one. Both are two for ones. And it's going to be interesting to see which way the format goes. Can, like, do the Nissa Uro decks in order to beat the aggressive decks, do they need spot removal to bridge the gap? I think they might. I was definitely leaning that way near the end of the format with uh, decks like Sultai and Bant, where I actually wanted cards like Glass Casket and Heartless Act and Eliminate. I think Mm. Eliminate's terrible now because there's no Teferi to worry about, but Heartless Act might be really good and Tyrant Scorn still might be okay. Mm -hmm. So um, like, this is going to be the tug-of-war of the format. Without question. And whether or not spot removal is good really depends. Can Nissa, Hydroid Crisis, Uro, Shark Typhoon, can they hold their own? 
mm-hmm. now that against the next wave of aggression. Because I would say this whole ban announcement to me favors aggression. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Yep. The cat oven drain. I mean, if you've ever played aggro against a, a witch's oven cauldron familiar, like, you know how much harder the game is. From the second those two are on the battlefield together, it's like, oh, geez. And I would say that mono green might have been a premier aggro deck because it had access to trample and an easy way to kill the oven in gem razor, which yeah. was hard to find. Um, Embercleave was necessary to trample over the cat, which is why mono red tried to hang in there along with gruel. But the cat getting banned is huge for aggro. Teferi getting banned, Teferi wasn't always your best card against aggro, but it it was never good, you know, and it did limit what you should play. Hunted Nightmare was a card a lot of people laughed at because of Teferi, mm-hmm. and the card still managed to make a splash. So there's a lot to still be said for that, but maybe now not every single two-drop you play in your deck has to have haste. It's possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe we can play some powerful cards. Maybe Rada gets some play. I don't know. But, like, Teferi being banned definitely helps aggro, and I think it helps spot removal. And this is why. Because I think this is a little counterintuitive. People forget about the tempo of Teferi. Mm-hmm. When you hold, when you make the commitment to, my opponent's probably going to play something I need to kill, so I'm going to keep mana open instead of doing something else I could do to hold up, say, a murderous rider. And your opponent plays Teferi. Well, yeah. on your turn, you can kill the Teferi, but you wasted that three mana. You don't get, you don't get that three mana back. You still have to pay it. And that tempo and that punishing you for even having spot removal in your deck that Teferi can do was a big deal. Yeah, that's it. It's like, you know, these decks routinely get up to a lot of mana very quickly. And then they can just, if they're worried about you leaving up mana for removal, they just run out Teferi first, right? And then they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, Teferi comes down. I know that I can get my Nissa down. I know that I get one activation out of my Nissa. I know that I can you know, bring back Oro from the graveyard. I know that I can do all of these things. And yeah, my opponent is going to get taxed if they want to answer me. So yeah, Teferi has, he's just, there are, there are all of these little edge cases where Teferi is just continually making people's lives more difficult, continually making um, just interactions that used to matter in Magic matter a lot less. So yeah, I think that Teveri being gone, frankly, makes every archetype better. Yeah, <laughs> not just uh, control, not just mid range, but I think it does make aggro better. And it I, does. I think the other the other things even more so. Right, growth spiral. Now they have to play an early game. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. His sorry, I just wanted to mention this while it's fresh on my mind. Um, so there's a few things specifically about aggro that get a lot harder when Teferi's gone. So the first thing is you now no longer have to play that dance of... Um, okay, this happened a lot in aggro, where you would have these pivotal turns of the game where you were like, I really want to go face, but I need to kill Teferi. And the reason is that if I don't kill Teferi, next turn they can tick it up, and now I have to worry about getting Wrathed in the, in the middle of my combat step on the following turn, right? And right. that was like such a key tension with Teferi, and you'd often find yourselves in these situations where, you know, you, like, like Mono Green, great example, you would have an opponent's Teferi on two loyalty, and on your side of the battlefield you have a human token and a lovestruck beast. And you're like, I just don't know if I can afford 
to not hit my opponent for six here, right? But I also can't afford to not kill Teferi because the following turn, I might just get horribly blown out if I want to play my questing beast, if I do have a haste threat, right? So it just put all of these constraints on the way that you played the game in a way that almost no other Planeswalker did. And, you know, there are other Planeswalkers that you could just ignore. You know, you could be like, all right, if I let Narset live, my opponent will get another card. But I think it's worth it to just smack their face and get the game over with. Or even some other more powerful Planeswalkers. It's kind of like, if that Planeswalker is not specifically invalidating my aggro plan, I might actually be able to ignore it. I might be able to leave my opponent's Tamiyo alone. I'm, You know, stuff like that. Um, but Teferi was just one of those cards that it interacted so so favorably with your creature and your aggro plan that you just couldn't really afford to leave it around. Yeah, that's uh, all good points. That's true. Yeah. Yep. And aggro decks not having to worry about that anymore. I think that does make aggro good. Uh, we're the natural progression of a format when there's a shakeup, whether it's rotation or a massive banning, is that people try a lot of stuff that didn't work before. And a lot of those untuned decks get exposed for why they didn't work because other people just play more aggro and they just smash those decks. <laughs> they just attack them brutally. So I think no matter what, aggro is going to spike in uh, what is played in the coming weeks. And then it's going to be interesting to see if aggro stays top tier, which it hasn't been for some time. But without Jund to completely hold it down, without, or at least they don't have the cat oven, and without... Uh, growth spiral to skip the early play. I, I think it's really possible that aggro is very good now. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something to watch out for. And I'm always down for that because wherever there are good aggro decks, you can tune a control deck to beat it. So it's exciting for me. I do wonder if midrange actually is back or if midrange is still going to run into the same problem that Nissa, Krasis, Uro just go over the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or Yorian Blink just goes over the top, or Ugin just goes over the top. I still don't believe in a traditional sense to mid-range right now. It's true, although I will note that... All right, so I think the lack of cards like Growth Spiral, the lack of cards like Teferi, it does make resource denial a little bit more plausible because one of the biggest... One of the biggest challenges to, like, for example, the Ozov deck, right? The Ozov Yorian deck that was trying to, like, make you discard cards and tax and stuff like that was actually quite weak to, to Teferi because Teferi could come down, draw you a card. Then later in the game, you play an Elspeth Conquer's Death, exiling your opponent's Yorian. And then you get Teferi back and you draw another card. And I think that Teferi was one of the cards that was really holding back some of these other mid-range decks that might want to kind of empty out your hand and and try to take over control of the game that way. So I, I don't know. It's not that I think they, that strategy immediately sounds better, but I do think that some of the format's key card advantage engines in the form of Teferi and Growth Spiral being gone... Um, I think that that does account for something. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see if mid-range can hang uh, 
do you think it can stop a, a deck with Uro and Nissa and um, Krasis? I mean, that's still a ton of cards that you get just for having these in your deck. So one of the things I'm most curious about is I wonder if like a super frenzy strategy might be a little bit more possible now because, you know, okay, so these super frenzy control decks have historically had a reasonable game against aggro. And I think one of the things that was keeping them out of the format, so we saw a lot of these decks in like War of the Spark, for example, you had like just just various permutations of and and i don't know maybe teferi was holding those decks together so maybe that's just not a thing anymore but one of the reasons that that decks like that got hated out of the format is that it was wilderness wreck was just more powerful fires was just more powerful doubling all of your mana was just more powerful um now if if the only realistic way to actually double your mana is Nyssa and you have answers to Nyssa, I think it's possible that we could see some kind of like bolus style control decks come up. And I don't know, maybe maybe that's the kind of a deck that could, over the course of a medium to long game, actually keep up with these Simic decks in, in terms of card advantage and also have enough answers to um to hold down cards like nissa right um so i i mean that's just totally off the top of the dome i don't know but i i kind of imagine that that style of deck got a little bit of a boost out of this announcement you sound like a grixis mage <laughs> Dude, they always think that somehow they're gonna hold down this stuff i i i don't i'm not a buyer yet no nope. You can't call me a buyer on that yet. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a hot take, and I'm definitely not staking my reputation on it, but I, I think that that deserves being explored, for sure. By definition, a hot take is something you stake your reputation on. <laughs> Sorry to inform you. <laughs> I right, wish you but- still liked Mono Green, dude. Mono Green, uh, Mono Green's slapping right now. Yeah, dude. Mono Green's sick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you know what people ask me. Can I just throw some at you? Because I did the stream today, and people were just throwing decks at me. Yeah, I want to know what you think. Yeah, like, lay it on mommy. Because I shared my opinion, mm-hmm. but I, I just want to bounce these. The biggest one that people will not stop saying, will not stop saying, is going to be great. Is is the new baddie? Is the new enemy? Like they're afraid to fire up arena right now because of this deck. What do you think? Do you want to predict? Do you want to take a shot? Can you guess? I mean, the first deck that came to my mind was Teamer Adventure. You know, that one's really high on the list, yeah. but I don't think it's quite the villain yet. Okay. No, it's Simic Flash. Ugh. Simic I, Flash. Dude, people need to get over it, man. Like, <laughs> people... Look, I understand I've lost to that deck, you've lost to that deck. You know what else has happened a lot? I've also beaten that deck. <laughs> that, like, Simic Flash is one of those decks where when it's winning against you, it looks good and it feels really bad. And when it's not, you're just crushing them. Like, that's all I've got so, to say. Pe- like, yeah. people, people, listen to the Arjuna Man right now. The deck can be good. The deck has never, ever, ever, ever been like consistently tier one and standard ever like yeah, okay that's true seth manfield freaking spiked a tournament with it i know i know 
It's like had a couple of other top finishes and some random tournaments. I know the deck has never been capital T tier one ever. I just like I don't I don't get it. I, I honestly don't get it. I think it's just the scourge of free play. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you that's know? probably it's, what it is. It, it's one of those where you don't. It, it's annoying because at least if they play turn one witch's oven or turn one flourishing fox, you're like scoop new opponent against yeah. simic flash. You don't know until your first spell is countered, and then you're always like, well, maybe they'll miss a land drop, or maybe they won't have two counters, but they always do. Yeah, always. Well, but um, this. <clears throat> Sorry, okay, I wanted to mention one thing real quick. So one of the benefits that Simic has had specifically, uh, Simic Flash has had on the ladder, is that you never knew, like, okay, your opponent plays turn one, they play, like, a breeding pool, right? Turn two, they play a forest, and they say go. And you're playing your deck, and you're like, all right, I am either playing against some kind of Simic X rampy controly deck, or I'm playing against Flash. And you're in this this position where you're like, cast my two drop? And they play Growth Spiral, and you're like, oh, thank God, it's probably a ramp deck, right? But you never really know. They could untap with four mana, say go, you cast a three drop, and all of a sudden it's rewind, you know? So that was one of the benefits that Simic Flash had on the ladder, is that you never really knew playing against them what it was going to be until maybe like turn four or turn three and now if your opponent goes you know breeding pool into forest go you're like no that's a quench like that's <laughs> that's a quench bro you know because like it's not going to be growth spiral so anyway that's i just wanted to say that yeah the element of surprise is kind of gone but it's worth mentioning i mean just because it's a quench or and not a growth spiral or a wildborn preserver or a brazen cutthroat or whatever simic actually did lose its best draw it this was in the good versions a gross spiral deck yes because it could play turn three rewind ambusher like it it lost its god draw yeah and if aggro is going to be on the upswing for a considerable amount of time which i think is a hundred percent going to be the case you know what simic flash just rolls over to one drop oh yeah yeah, Knight, Knights of the <laughs> Evan Legion, taste it. Good. <laughs> and on the spot removal question, spot removal is great against Simic Flash, yes. especially instant speed spot removal. Instant yeah. speed stuff like Heartless Act is great at just kill your Night Pack ambusher when you go for it. Uh, it feels so good. It feels so good when they tap out. <laughs> they tap out yep. with their four mana ambusher and you just gun it down. Yep, Chef's it's not... Kiss. It's not as simple as Teferi got banned and now Simic Flash is broken. Like, Teferi was good against them, but it never resolved anyway. The way I put it on stream, every deck had a Teferi-ish card that they had to counter. It always came down to could they counter it or not. So that didn't change anything. If anything, Simic Flash loses in this, in my opinion. They lose the Gross Spiral, and they lose the... Basically, the one-drop aggro decks get so much better, in my opinion. So they're going to lose this War of Attrition. It's a meta deck. It has been a meta deck. Simic Flash will be a meta deck. That's, it needs the right meta to thrive. I agree. Although I will say that it did lose one of its most feared predators in the form of the, the Cat Oven. I think the Cat Oven combo and these Rakdos and John decks were actually some of the better decks against the Flash decks. So that's a matchup it doesn't have to worry about anymore, I think. 
That's true. But yeah. I think that goes even better for control decks, which I think <laughs> I, I the cat that. oven was a pure scourge of theirs. Yes. They just could not stop the aggression. Yes. So, I mean, Teferi might be gone, but now I can play and absorb and not be embarrassed, you know? So I think you bring up a good point, which is I think control has, has been one of the archetypes that gains the most from this ban announcement. Like, because... Uh, I, like control has basically hated playing against but i mean okay three out of the four cards on this band list have been very good against control um so wilderness reclamation was actually a deck that has long been considered to be fairly weak against control it did of course it got a lot of really excellent tools against control like shark typhoon and it can play its own counter spells and stuff like that but again like it can't now that it can't growth spiral um that severely weakens wilderness rex ability to kind of keep up with control and i i, I don't know like control that there are a lot of random control decks that don't want to play white that just got a massive bump from teferi being removed from the format so that's really awesome and yeah control mm. doesn't have to play against cold and familiar anymore so i think controls i don't know i would definitely be looking at control and considering like what else you can do so okay yes azorius mages specifically took a hit with teferi time raveler but i just think that there are a lot of options that have actually opened up for control now oh boy you're gonna be one of those (laughs) okay look i i I see it i i can feel it look feel it I, I can't actually be a Grixis fanboy until they print some kind of playable land that actually lets you play Grixis in standard. So that's 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 the start of the conversation. Okay, All right. Okay. You got it. You got it. Give me my triumph. I just, just want a Grixis triumph, dude. <laughs> always do. They do well. Grixis dirty, man. They're just here to do Grixis dirty. They just they don't give a fluff, man. All right, so um, so yeah, uh, let's let's talk about like let's get into the standard tier list a little bit and just like what we think could be some of the stronger archetypes emerging out of this announcement. So we've already discussed Simic Flash. I think a lot of people are thinking about Teamer Adventure. What's your take on how that's going to be positioned in this magic game? Teamer Adventure had a Mayhem Devil problem that is mostly going to be solved. But Teamer Adventure, in my opinion, still has a Nissa problem that is unsolved. Um, That's a good point. Spot removal can... Spot removal is both good and bad against Teamer Adventure, depending on how well they're playing and how much they need to hit their land drops. Like, if they have to... If they get forced to play an early Edgewall Innkeeper and you get to spot removal it, that's really good. But if they're smart and they slow roll that sucker until like turn seven when they can also draw multiple cards when you tap low, then it's, you know, spot removal against them is straight up bad because all their cards are two for ones or more. Yeah. And I still don't see an easy way to kill a clover other than gem razor. No. But but gem razor is probably more played now than it was at any other point in standard right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if now is a good time to be a clover mage like i played against team or clover a few times today they had a really hard time with like stone coil into troll into gem razor into questing beast into ram through like that they, they just 
even with a lovestruck beast, they felt so far behind if it got removed, right? So I'm I'm not convinced. I think that the adventure deck is good, but I'm not sold yet. I think I think overall it benefited, and I don't think it benefited from any of these specific bands so much as it's just a very good deck, and some of the other top tier decks got nerfed. And just so by default, Team or Adventure not getting nerfed just bumped it up the list a little bit, right? Like, of course, yeah. So I think by default, it's better now than it than it was in the past. But um, but that's just kind of in a vacuum, and it's possible that some other archetypes are going to rise up and kind of keep it from being a tier one deck. I mean, it's just funny because if you talk to Aaron Girdler, it probably never stopped being a tier one deck, right? But I think <laughs> that like for the average player, it's it's been deprecated in favor of some of these other strategies for a long time. But I mean, yeah, I definitely, I think overall it got a boost and it's definitely going to be one of the decks that I'm going to be looking to, I'm, I'm just going to be looking at it and seeing if, it is is viable in the new standard format because it's definitely a possibility. One of the things I want to note is um, for any of you people playing Growth Spiral in Teamer Adventure who might think that Teamer Adventure is not going to be as good without Growth Spiral, you're wrong. That's I it. I didn't know this actually happened. <laughs> yeah. I've, Are you sure this is real? I've had a lot of conversations with people. Uh, okay. I've had a lot of conversations with people about Teamer Adventure who think okay. various parts of the deck are bad and should be removed. Like, this this is the byline on Teamer Adventure. There are two flex slots in the main deck, all right? Two. There are two flex slots in the main deck. They are not adventure creatures. They are not edgewalling keeper. They are obviously not the growth spire. I mean, the, uh, the clover, right? So this is these are the kind of places where people were playing growth spiral and thinking that it was kind of good but like growth spiral is not your plan in this deck beanstalk giant is your plan in this deck escape to the wilds is your plan in this deck so i just like i i, I want to put this out there like anyone who's messing with this deck list and thinking that they're improving it by like adding you know like i added two nissas to the deck it's better or you know i i, I whatever like whatever modification you're making to the deck it's wrong don't do it you have two flex slots. Pick the cards that go there. Be done with it. All right, we okay. can move on. All right. <laughs> that's that's my rant. That's my teamer adventure rant. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, welcome to our band podcast where we will be ranting about the two <laughs> flex spots in teamer adventure. Go on. <laughs> All right. So so that's teamer adventure. Um, okay. So so. Let's just like as a whole, let's talk about monocolor aggro decks here. So, general consensus is aggro has been getting a little bit better from this ban. Um, you seem to think that mono green is pretty well positioned here. Do you, and I saw you playing a little bit on stream. Do you have any more thoughts about that deck in particular? Yes. And that's it. Just yes. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> deck is really good. Move along. <laughs> deck is really good. Um, is If spot removal is better, more ram through, more primal might. Most of my matchups came down to who had more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 
good cards. And in I there. thought Growth Chamber Guardian was terrible, but we all, you know, you, you almost. I, I was trying to come up with something to make you spit out your water, but um, <laughs> apparently that one doesn't phase him. Ah, <laughs> uh, vindication, sweet vindication. No. I only think that there's two mono. You said we're going to talk about them together. I only think the real contenders are green and red. Okay, so you don't think mono black still like was mono black just a contender in the format because it had a good reclamation matchup? Is that is that what you're thinking? Yes. Okay. I don't think discard for disruption is the way to be anymore. Mm, interesting. And I think that that hurts the deck. That's that's an interesting take. Do you really think it got worse, even though Growth Spiral and Teferi have been removed from the format? Yeah. I think that if Duress and Freebooter aren't winning games for you, if they're mostly in the way, and now you run a little bit of spot removal, but that's very reactive. It doesn't do anything if your opponent's playing Wraths and things like that. And if your alternative to up your power level involves cards like Demonic Embrace and Regisaur, that plays into spot removal, which got better in other places and is better against you. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're better off. I think Mono Black is worse off. If, if anything, I think Mono Black should... If, if spot removal is good, I think Mono Black shouldn't be aggro. It should probably be trying mid-range. Hmm. Dust off your gray merchants. See if that works. Hmm. <laughs> That's an interesting take to me. I... I mean, okay, I will agree with you insofar as this is concerned that I think that Mono Black is and has been for a long time a very meta aggro deck. Like, like I think you can sleeve up just like a lean and mean linear red aggro deck or green aggro deck and just have a strong proactive game plan and have that be enough. Whereas I do think that Mono Black hasn't its its linear aggro plan hasn't been quite as good and so in order for it to proliferate in the format it has needed to make smart meta calls and and you know that's one of the nice things about black is that black has you know it has disruption it has removal it has some of these excellent sideboard cards which um the other monocolored decks don't have access to so i definitely agree with you insofar as it being kind of like a um What's the word? It's it's a shape-shifting deck. It's a deck that's been able to kind of change its form to keep up with the shifts in the meta, which is, is really cool. So I think that it has lost one of its best matchups, at least. But I don't know. I mean, I think, like... So it still has some of the better aggressive one-drops in the format in the form of Knight of the Ebon Legion and Gutter Bones. And those cards are going to be very good against decks like Simic Flash, for example. So if that deck does get played more, um, it's it's going to be good. Also, those cards, I think, in particular, struggled against the Cat Oven decks, and that format is gone. So I don't know. I'm just I'm curious as to whether cards like Hunted Nightmare, cards like Rotting Regisaur, and stuff like that are actually going to line up pretty well against the other aggro decks in the format, for example. Um, I I think that that could be a spot for Mono Black. I think you're right, and I don't think it will be a very good spot. <laughs> well, okay, let, so let me ask you this. It seems like Mono Red Aggro is going to be at least tryable, so you should try it. Mono Green Aggro, I agree with you, I think is well positioned. Um, do you think Mono White is just going to disappear entirely? Like, was that also just a deck that was preying on the Reclamation? 
I think you should try the life gain version. Hmm. Interesting. It's been a long time, but I think that was a, a deck that, like, think about Cauldron Familiar against a Johnny's Pride Mate. Think about Teferi against Heliod and a Johnny's Pride Mate. I think that was a deck that was suffering. Interesting. Uh, from the meta. Also, yeah. think about just grow spiral into anything against that deck. It was a deck that played cards that didn't immediately affect the battlefield. It set up and then did powerful things. Mm-hmm. So I think the life gain version should get another try. Okay, that's an interesting take. I mean, yeah, especially if people are playing cards like Heartless Act, I think that that deck has a very strong matchup against Heartless Act specifically. And, yeah. um, you know, it could be weak to cards like Eliminate or Sweepers. So it kind of depends on what removal people are playing in the format because that deck is weak in general to just efficient removal and Sweepers. But, um, it, you know, it does have resilience in the form of Heliod and, uh, and the Ajani Planeswalker, which can actually get it through in certain matchups. So, okay, I buy that. Also, I just derived some satisfaction in, in hearing you, of all people, endorse the life gain deck, CGB. <laughs> dude, dude, to destroy a monster, you may uh, have to become one. <laughs> like, I love who wins the Who wins the mono green fight, right? The biggest creature? Pride mate, pride mate, and Heliod make huge creatures. Yeah, that's huge. true. I, I think I think white does have a fairly good mono green matchup. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, give that another look. I think. Um, but I mean, I, I still think green and red are the the shining stars here. Green doesn't have a particularly broken card. It just has the best rates. Yeah. Probably in it, it feels like in Magic history. Just you know, one mana four four. Pelt collector, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two, you know, two mana, three, three, four man, three mana, four, four. Mm-hmm. Sometimes bigger if it's a gem raiser. Yeah, four mana, stat ball, questing beast. Yeah, just, don't don't forget the three mana, five, five. That guy's a house. Yeah, he he is a house. Yeah. So I think green is legit. I think that mono red still has Embercleave. It still has Annex Embercleave. Sometimes that just wins. Mm-hmm. red still a good card. Yep. So I would start there and uh, see how other decks stack up to that would be my priority. I will tell you, I played against on ladder today multiple times. I think it was the same player, but it was interesting. It was Conclave Mentor. Do I have your attention now? I, I'm Conclave with you. Conclave Mentor. You had me at you had me at Con. <laughs> Neoform. Okay, Neoform, interesting. Which puts a counter on things. Right, right. Winota. Whoa. Okay. Sassery's Lieutenant, which puts counters on things. So so this is a four-color deck, yeah? Yes. Okay. So were they running, like, Gilded Goose? Yes. Okay. So four-color Winota might be back. So how about the Elephant? Were they running the Elephant? I assume so. I didn't see it. Yeah. You would I would play it a hundred percent with Grazer, Goose, and Conclave Mentor. Yeah, I mean that card's busted with Mentor for sure. Okay, I dig it. I dig it. I I did some dabbling with Far Color Winota back, you know, when that was a thing, and uh could looked somewhat promising. Yeah, I think that the blue is only for the Neoform. Yeah. And that the rest of the deck is Naya Winota with Bassery's Lieutenant Conclave Mentor so that the plus one, plus one synergy is stronger on its own. Yeah, that's, that is actually kind of a cool take because the Mentor is a non-human card. 
So I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Um, to me, it still sounds weaker than the Mardu version, but ah, definitely worth trying. The Mardu version. So is that deck tier one? Uh, Jim Davis won the Gen Con standard championship over the weekend running Michael Jacobs almost card for card list. There Mm -hmm. were a few changes. The deck is starting to take up big meta shares in the SCG qualifier events. All like a student of mine showed me some results with over an 80% win rate in Mythic across like 20 matches. Like the deck is starting to get wide, widespread respect. Mm Mm-hmm. And it wasn't touched by bands. Yeah. It's good, dude. I've I've taken that deck for a few spins. It is good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, I haven't played this deck with Basri's Lieutenant, but I was actually I was playing a Conclave Mentor deck with Basri's Lieutenant. And let me tell you, that card is also good. Like And, and it did yeah. it get better? It I did. think that's the question. I, did it get better with the bannings? I, I absolutely think it did. Like Teferi Time Raveler was one of the reasons to not play that card. Um, I also don't think it was particularly relevant in the Reclamation matchup. But, yeah, I... I I think Gross Spiral's the big one, right? Just Could be. That, yeah, the skipping that early game and getting into Els- the Elspeth Conquers Death, Nissa Who Shakes the World part of the game. I think that that was Mardu Winota's worst nightmare. Yeah. I think that being gone is like green light. It is, dude. I mean, so Basri's Lieutenant, here's the thing about Basri's Lieutenant, right? It's excellent against anyone running sweepers. So has a pretty good control matchup. And now that Teferi's gone, it's not going to get bounced. The thing you put a counter on is not going to get bounced. So that's great. Still weak to ECD, but ECD is a lot worse without Teferi. So, um, so I, I think... I mean, who knows? But I think that that's a strong argument to be playing it against control. Now, in an aggro matchup, like the person with Basri's Lieutenant typically wins the head-to-head because every trade that you make, you get a creature and your opponent doesn't. And you don't need to make that many favorable trades in the aggro matchup before you're just absolutely crushing your opponent. So it blanks your opponent's removal. It makes combat a nightmare for them. Um, sometimes the protection from multicolored is relevant. So it's just a house in, in aggro matchups. Um, so I don't know. It's like, what is it truly weak against? Maybe Flash? But, I, I want to have a note. Uh, I actually think it would be fine against Flash. It just swarms the battlefield. Sure. Um, but I want to say uh, Elspeth Conquers Death. This was a card that was on my list. Uh, we, we talked about the four broken cards. I did have a fifth one, and it was Elspeth Conquers Death. Yeah. After thinking about it, I cut it because it costs five mana now. <laughs> yeah, it like, does. Like, like playing Elspeth Conquers Death on turn four or turn three is way different than playing it on turn five. When you actually have to invest your whole turn into the card, it's pretty easy if you spend five mana to take out a threat that costs three or four. The opponent can still tempo you out brutally. Yeah. Like, they... Like mono green, sometimes you exile that questing beast. They're like, thanks, I had another. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and you're just dead. Um, so I don't think ECD is busto anymore. And we'll see if that turns out to be true or not. But what do you think of that? As I know you hate the card. I hate the card. I Okay, 
for me the banning of teferi is a hundred it's it's that is like okay so growth spiral is definitely a weakener on that card but i think teferi banning hits that card even harder like like ecd has a hidden line of text on it which basically says when this spell enters the battlefield such a library for Teferi and put it in the graveyard, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, when? What percentage of ECDs have resolved that didn't have a Teferi in the graveyard to get back? <laughs> so, so, like, that little wombo combo is not available anymore. Like, what What cheap planeswalker? Like, Narset is the only cheap planeswalker I can think of that might reliably be in the graveyard when you resolve your ECD. And that card's probably about at its worst right now, right? Like, I think Narset took a pretty big hit from these bands. What do you think? Yes. Uh, Narset is not a good card. It's a fine card, but not a great card if there is any creature larger than a 1-1 on the battlefield when you play it. Because you're spending three mana to gain two life and cast Impulse. Which isn't... It isn't mind-blowingly good. It still has a warping effect on control mirrors, but it's not that hard to deal with when all's said and done, I think. And, yeah, Narset ain't what it used to be. Nope. So, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think that ECD has taken a big hit. And frankly, that's fine. Like, I okay, I think my guess is that the power level of ECD right now is probably commensurate to where where they were kind of thinking it was going to be in testing. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that it is a problematic card when you don't have these, like, beautiful shells around it that are just making it so incredible. Like... Uh, okay so like after rotation how many like playable consistent three mana planeswalkers are going to be in standard i can't think of one like after rotation after rotation can i interest you in some royal science okay I, I'm feeling no, it. No, hey. I, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can interest me. That okay? That's a card which I've always wanted to be playable, which hasn't been. Um, but who knows? You know, Royal Scions could actually gain post rotation. Probably not. Okay, probably not. But yeah, interesting. I know. Lay it I on. know those flex slots and teamer adventures. Yeah, royal freaking science. Baby. <laughs> oh baby, we did it. We you, did it. You know what I'm curious about? I'm curious about Timus Scions with Joel Rail. Oh boy, <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> like I don't know, man. Couldn't it be beautiful? I think that one of the issues in the format is going to be one: how much Bone Crusher Giant is played, and two: do we now have to evaluate every single card based on does it die to Bone Crusher Giant? Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I mean... I think that there's a significant chance it's a big deal. Yeah? You think that card specifically gained a lot? I think that if aggro decks are going to gain and more people are going to run it, and if adventure decks gain and more people are going to run it, Bonecrusher is both a good card for aggro decks to win aggro mirrors. It's never dead, even if they're against control. It's a fine card. It's kind of a two for one sometimes it's like eight damage 
attached to it because of the ability and it gets one attack in whatever mm. but bone crusher giant's a great card no matter what matchup you're in but it gets significantly better when aggro is better because it's good in aggro and against aggro yeah and if everybody has bone crusher then cards that die to bone crusher get just they're it's bad it's just really bad if your card comes down does nothing and dies to bone crusher yeah it is specifically a very good card against mono green so um if that is the premier aggro deck in the format then i think bone crusher is is going to gain a lot mm-hmm. um yeah i mean I, I, where do cards like ranger's guile fall for you now without teferi yeah that's a good question it's a good question i think it's more okay so ranger's guile in like aggro mirrors can actually be pretty good Ranger's Guile against Control without Teferi can be pretty good. Um, Ranger's Guile against like Nissa Krasis is terrible. So I think that it bumped up a little bit, but I just still wonder if if Magic's actually about that anymore. Like I, that's yeah. that's the question that I have right now. Yeah, um, I man, they should have just. They should have not been cowards, and they just should have reprinted Blossoming Defense. That's kind of <laughs> like, that, like what, like Blossoming Defense. Why didn't they just reprint that card, dude? That card was fine. That card was that card was not overpowered in the format that it was printed in. Like, why can't we just have that instead? Anyway, all right, <laughs> mini mini rant adjourned. So, all right, so we we've kind of like had some some kind of like top level discussions but do you think like let, let's see if we if we can come up with some kind of like a tier list for what we think might be going on now so um at the top of the format we can probably both agree that there's going to be some kind of simic ramp deck does that sound right to you um something in the i don't think it will be simic i think it will be something in the vein of teamer or bant so that it does interact or saltai but yes i i agree that a gross spy i'm sorry an uro nissa <laughs> deck will be competitive top tier yeah so i think that's that's safe to say some some combination of simic i think is still going to be good whether you know throw in your third color of choice or maybe the vanilla one um, I think it's still going to be very playable. Um, and then, yeah, like an aggro deck, whether it's mono red or mono green or both, I think is going to be, if not tier one, then 1.5. At the very minimum, it will feel like it because you're going to play those decks a lot yep. this week. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot. Be ready for them. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I would definitely put Tima Clover in the at least 1.5 tier, and maybe it proves itself to be better than that. I'm not quite ready for it, but I, I get where you're coming from. Okay, right on, right on. Let's talk about control. Like, what what do you think control's best shot is at the moment? Do you think Azorius still is looking like it, it could be a tier 1 control deck? To use a limited metaphor, my pack one, pick one is to try to make a good blue-white control deck for the meta. So I've got to get to work. Now, is is that just because of your predilection, or do you think in general it's just still a pretty good idea? 
Both. Uh, I think that Yorian is still a busted card who wasn't affected very yes. much by the bannings. Yes. Although Yorian, Teferi hurts. Yorian is definitely on Arjuna's short list of cards that I hate that I'm keeping an eye on that I think it's like Yorian's on the Winota list for me. For sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, one of those cards that still scares me a lot. I think Ugin is kind of the counterplay to it, but not many people are believing in Ugin, so we'll see. Uh, It's one of those cards I didn't put on the list because I think it's a bit of a sleeper, and I think it does have a natural predator in Ugin. But if aggro is out there keeping Ugin away, can we do the thing? Can we loop-de-loop? Yeah, do you think... Okay, so this is an interesting thing we didn't get much into. Do you think that, like... Ozov Yorian or Esper Yorian got a big boost with these bands? No, I think neither one is very good. Just So just categorically, they just weren't good enough anyway? Yep, I think they're slow. I think their mana's clunky. I think the 80-card version of the decks are unreliable, and I think that they get trounced by things that don't have the same consistency issues. I think that's fair. Also, just... Okay, if you're sleeving up the card Burglar Rat in a constructed format, you you really have to look in the mirror, you know? <laughs> you really just have to ask yourself, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Um, I, hitting the hand isn't what it used to be, especially opponent's choice. It's The battlefield is just too fast, too much tempo. We'll see. I, I mean, like you said, right now it's all about hope. All these things could come to pass, but I look at a lot of the cards that I dismissed in the past and are the reasons still there to dismiss them because there are better options that are more consistent or reliable. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly where those decks fall for me. Hmm. Yep. That's totally fair. All right. Um, we've, we've talked about how much the sack decks lost with Colgen familiar. Like, I don't know, like are people still going to be playing Rakdos? Are still people still going to be playing Jaunt? The there's very there's enough powerful cards to build an, a deck that curves out well, puts a ton of pressure on the opponent, and wins games. There are but there are still mana issues, and I don't see how those look great compared to monocolored aggro or something with Uro. Now, I I think that Claim the Firstborn is a really powerful card, and people have learned that, and that Priest of Forgotten Gods is a powerful card, and people have learned that too, although it's going to have to face the Bone Crusher test. And without Cat, is there enough payoff to run a Witch's Oven? Yeah. A card that is mostly a dead draw if it doesn't work with the other cards in your deck. That's a really good point. I would point. say probably not. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big question that you have to answer, and unless you find a better way to play Sacrifice. I don't think you run Oven anymore. Now, you might build around Village Rites and Woe Strider. Yeah. Like, those are sack outlets that seem to have a ton of upside. Yeah. Those might still be reasons to run Claim. Yeah. And this, but I this don't know. Laris is still in the format, so... Yeah. We might, like... I, I don't know if this deck will still be playable, but I remember the, the kind of the more aggro build of Rakdos sack in the previous recent standard formats was a really strong deck and so i wonder if a deck like that could still hum along without cat oven in it um you know croxa is a strong card laris is a strong card we still have cards like dreadhorde butcher 
Um, there's always the, the old Dreadhood Butcher Demon Hug combo <laughs> that you love so much. So uh, That's legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there's other cards which, okay, I'm not saying this card is necessarily good, but cards like Fireblade Artist, um, like, point to a different, like, like so a deck with Fireblade Artist and Dreadhood Butcher, stuff like that, points to a different build a different style maybe a deck running cards like um robber of the rich for example i don't know i don't know if it's good but i think that there are enough like powerful two drops in that archetype and there are enough powerful kind of long game cards like woe strider like laris um you know like croxa that i don't know i a deck like that could easily be Again, like 1.5, I would say. Mm, you not feeling not it? Not ready for that. Nope. Nope. All right. Nope. Yep. That's, <laughs> not that's, ready for 1.5. That's that's one of the ones I'm going to keep my eye on the most, is, is, okay. is how playable Rakdos is. Because I think Jund is like... Jund must be dead, right? Like, I it's hard for me to... Like, okay, Goose, I guess... Goose being able to make food, like, might still be, like, Goose, Trail of Crumbs, some other stuff might still be kind of okay. But I don't know. I, I just think that John's days are numbered, personally. I think that John lost more from the cat ban than Rakdos did. I think they both lost a lot. Yeah. It's like, more than I think people even will realize until they do try it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. All right, is is there any kind of top level deck or archetype that you think is missing from this discussion so far? That's a good question. That's a good question because if we knew it was missing, we sure as heck would uh, would bring it up, right? Um, let's let's what just is talk. Going to surprise us? What's going to get us? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, okay. Okay. Um, is there any reason to revisit mutate? Yeah, there's always a good reason to check it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Paradise Druid, the Hexproofness. Some people might just not be ready for that. Yeah. It's possible. Um, It does still feel like a pretty soft strategy that gets a little bit of splash damage from Winota. Like, Grafdigger's Cage is terrible for it. (laughs) That's true. That's a good point. I don't know. I'm always looking for reasons not to play Mutate, so I might be the wrong person to ask, but... (laughs) It does seem like there's a shell there that got pushed out of the meta by more powerful things, and maybe it shouldn't have been. Maybe it's still a possibility. Okay, how about this non-Simic flash decks? I don't... I I just think that they suffer the same problems. Like, Demir flash is something everybody wants to work, and I keep having... I, I keep having the same problems with it. Um, I know that that's an archetype that you've, you know, put some amount of thought and work into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's still the same problem. Like, these these cards are good. They're Usually when you play a flash card, right, you have to give up some amount of the power of the card to have the ability to flash. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in these flash cards that is like a rate monster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you're relying on having the right counters and the right removal for the opponent's rate monsters that they're going to play because they're playing. They're not playing flashcards. They're going to, on 
Generally speaking, their cards are going to be better than yours, and you have to answer them in the right way at the right time. And if you run out of cards and they don't run out of cards, you're just your your deck is significantly weaker. Your creatures are usually smaller on rate versus mm-hmm. theirs. So it's the problem is just that you always have to have this perfect mix, and it's not really there. the The deck can stick a Slither Wisp and get ahead that way, but doesn't pass the Bone Crusher test. I can promise you that. Mm. Yeah, my assessment of these decks is that they're like they're playing twenty eighteen magic. Like these these uh Demir Flash decks are like they're trying to like get a little bit of value, draw an extra card, get a little yeah. cost reduction out of your night bonder, stuff yeah. like that. And that's just yeah. like not it's just not keeping up with the power level of modern magic cards. So I think that this what deck is your broken card, right? What is your broken card? That's it. That's is there it. Anything close to what was on the list earlier? Well, that's what I was thinking. It's like I would take one Night Pack Ambusher over any of these cards, right? Like that's that's a card, dude. Like that's a card that wins mm-hmm. you the game, right? Being able to play, yeah, Nissa Night Pack Ambusher in your flash deck, like that's a finisher right there. So yeah, I agree. And and I'll tell you what, Dirge Bat is not the top end that's going to save this deck, that's for sure. Nor is Voracious Great Shark for that <laughs> Yeah, Voracious Great Shark. All right. You know, Voracious Great Shark is a missed opportunity. If, if the text on that card said counter target spell, I would be more interested in it. Creature or artifact is just not, it's not enough, you know? I, and even if it did say just counter target spell, I'm still not sure that it would be good enough, but it would be getting there. It would be worth considering, I think. All right, well, let's wrap it up there. We've done plenty of discussion. There's plenty of speculation. Thank you guys for sticking with us through this long conversation. Yeah, I don't know, CGB. I'm excited about Standard again. And, you know, we didn't get to Historic this episode, but I think that that's something that we can come back and revisit in the future. I think it's still an evolving format. And so, um, yeah, I'm excited, dude. Dude, I they did it. Yeah. We talked about it. It was a little... They, they waited a little longer than I said. I said that they should finish the Players Tour Finals and then immediately ban Wilderness Reclamation and Gross Spiral. They should announce it on the stream. They waited about 24 more hours, but they freaking did. <laughs> so Good on you. them. That's freaking cool. Magic in August, that's exciting. What is this world we are living in, dude? I love it. I love it. So, you know, share your appreciation with Wizards. Let them know that you like this. Play standard. Have fun. The metrics will show it. They'll feel rewarded. We'll feel rewarded. Everything will be great. All right, so that's going to do it for this bonus episode here. Thanks for joining us again. And uh, you can find the podcast in on your favorite podcatcher, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify even. Just search for Arena Craft Podcast. It will come up. Arena Craft, two words, not one word. You can also find this show on YouTube. We're expanding into the video content a little bit. And um, when I return to streaming on Twitch, which will hopefully be soon, you'll be able to watch the play there. You can also catch Covert Go Blue in his YouTube channel, Covert Go Blue. You can also watch him on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Covert Go Blue. He streams Monday through Thursday from uh, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. And he's a very entertaining content creator. So go and give his channel a watch. 
All right, CGB, <laughs> looking forward to discussing the new developments in the matter next time. Later. Do you, do you, do you, do you, do you.